Hello and welcome. My name is Richard Lander of CityWire and joining me today on this podcast is Dan Hanbury, who is the Portfolio Manager of the River and Mercantile UK Equity Smaller Companies Fund. We're here today to talk to Dan about the attractions of UK smaller companies and how he goes about selecting stocks for his fund. So first of all, Dan, welcome and thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, Richard. Thank you for having me on the show. Excellent. So uh, let's start by looking back. Uh, You had a stellar year with the fund in 2020. Uh, What went right? Uh, well, thank you. That's a nice way to start uh, with the question. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, as a fund manager, you're working hard to deliver out performance um, on a consistent basis on sort of rolling three-year, five-year basis. Uh, it's very hard to deliver out performance every year, but clearly nice to get a good year. And what's behind it really is a, is a motivated and well-resourced team following an investment process uh, as systematically as we can. And, and, and that comes down to sensible idea generation, really good fundamental research being done by the analysts, and then sensible portfolio construction and risk management. And I, and I think in a year where you get a significant downturn or a, you know, a crisis like the pandemic, obviously a pretty awful time for everybody around the world through this pandemic, um, I think that portfolio construction and risk management piece is, is really important. Um, and I think we managed to protect on the downside quite well uh, in the sell-off. Uh, we've tended to be quite low beta uh, and, and our drawdown stats look look pretty reasonable against other, other, other funds. So whenever we get big drawdowns, we tend to do relatively well. Um, with this fund. Um, and it, it did allow us then to pick up some very cheap stocks in that sell-off. You know, liquidity was at a premium and uh, a lot of small cap stocks sold down to some very low levels. And we had the opportunity to to buy some of those um, and, and benefit from that. And as you say, we ended up with a, with, with a very strong return for last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a combination of different things going going right all together, I guess, for a good year like that. Yeah. Right. So you had strong performers and you had some stellar performers in there. So just give us a bit of insight to some of the most exciting stocks in, that uh, performed last year in your portfolio. What's interesting is we have a portfolio that invests in a broad set of companies. So we will buy growth companies, we'll buy high quality companies, we'll buy recovery situations and indeed asset back situations. But in all, all cases, we're looking for some fundamentally strong, sustainably strong franchises that are undervalued and where we're seeing some signs that the timing's improving for those businesses, some operating momentum on the upside, if you like, that's going to drive the share price. So that's what's common. But because we have these different categories, we get all sorts of different types of company. Um, and so if we take last year, some of our growth companies, games developers, uh, we had Codemasters, Team 17, Sumo. Uh, these are companies doing very well at the moment where you know the gaming market is exploding. It's absolutely massive. Clearly, the pandemic helped uh, a lot of online companies. Uh, and so the growth was rewarded with, with not only, you know, there wasn't only strong earnings growth and upgrades, but we, we also saw re-rating of those stocks. And ultimately, Codemasters was actually bid for in the autumn by, by EA in the US. So so that was one area. Um, Maxite is was was our best performing stock last year. It's a cell therapy platform, very, um, very exciting company. Um, they've got a technology based around flow electroporation. Uh, it, they basically supply twenty of the top twenty-five global pharmaceutical companies and top cell therapy companies in the world with their platform. And there was an increasing recognition that 
um, that the revenue streams they get from their machines and licensing their IP um, was extremely valuable. You know, at the moment, there are about 140 drugs, many of them cancer drugs being developed by, the, by those big companies using MaxLite's technology. And they will ultimately get a royalty stream if some of those big drugs become blockbusters and are successful. So, so that, that got you know, recognized by the market and, and perform very strongly. Um, but we also then, so you had the, you had those growth stocks, but you also had some really interesting recovery ideas. So, you know, we, we were able to pick up companies like Halfords and DFS right in the depths of the crisis in sort of March and April last year, where the stocks got hit very hard. Everyone, you know, saw there was a lockdown coming. Retailers were going to have to shut down and, and, and all of those companies were hit very hard. And we had done the work previously, if you like, done the fundamental work on a lot of these companies and maybe didn't own them. So DFS or Halfers, we, we, we'd done the work on, we didn't own them in the portfolio. Um, and, and maybe we hadn't owned them in the past because the margin of safety or the valuation gap wasn't sufficient for us to buy. But we got that valuation gap when those stocks sold off and, and we were able to buy them at very depressed prices. And, and they recovered you know, spectacularly right. um, through the second half of last year. I mean, DFS or like for likes up in August, 50%. People buying sofas. Once lockdown came off, you know, everyone was out there buying a sofa <laughs> and, uh, you know, fantastic growth. And then right. Halfords were benefiting from bicycles, et cetera. So, um, you know, so a real mix of growth and those kind of cyclical recovery names that, that drove drove the outperformance. Yeah. Now, is this mix changing at the moment? Because since the start of the year, we've moved slightly from growth to value, uh, you might say, or from COVID winners to COVID losers as, as they play catch up. So is the shine coming off your growth stocks? Is this a blip or is it a, is it a proper rotation, do you think? Yeah, I, I, it, it's a proper rotation for sure. And it began, you know, as you say, in earnest. I mean, the cyclical started to outperform a year ago. You know, the, the, the defensives had their kind of moment in the sun, literally in the, in, the, in, the, in the depths of the crisis. And then since really March last year, cyclicals have done a lot better. So they've been outperforming for about 12 months. But in terms of really beating up value, as it were, um, deep value, those stocks really started to outperform when we had the vaccine announcements in November. And that rotation has really continued into this year. And obviously, you've seen inflation expectations and bond yields picking up. And that's created you know, this, this downdraft in the growth stocks. Yeah, we absolutely have seen that in our portfolio as well, where the growth stocks have come under pressure. But because we've got a, a strong value discipline in, in, in what we do as well, we also had a value bias within the portfolio. And so there are plenty of other stocks within, you know, there are plenty of cheap growth stocks, if you like, in the portfolio that have actually held up or outperformed very well through this period. And that is the beauty of having that that blend. Um, you know, you've got cyclical survivors as well as market leaders, um, and you've got, you know, a range of defensive growth stocks. But often, you know, and, and the high quality business are often very cheap. You know, if you take a company like One Savings Bank, one of our high quality banks, you know, P of seven, five percent yield. Yes, it's a high ROE growth stock, but but you're able to buy it very cheaply, and right. and that's what we're really trying to do is get that blend. So, what's the thread? You've got all these different type of companies. You've got about seventy five in the portfolio at any one point. What what's the the thread that runs through it in terms of the companies you're looking for? The key thread is that is buying that high potential, so fundamentally strong businesses, sustainably strong businesses. Increasingly, um, like a lot of the industry, we, you know, we're, we're focused very much on the sustainable factors within these um, different companies. So we're, we're we're getting more and more exposure to companies like smart metering systems, um, which is at the, the heart of the decarbonisation um, strategy within the UK. Um, in terms of rolling out smart meters. You know, we've, we've got big holding in BIFA, which is very much around the circular economy, recycling waste, recycling plastic, energy from waste, solar panels on um, landfill sites. 
um, you know, Volution Group and Polypipe in the construction industry. They aren't just cyclical construction companies that are going to benefit now from activity picking up. But, you know, with Volution Group, they're the, one of the market leaders in ventilation. And as we start to build more and more new houses with better insulation, uh, without gas boilers and and with um, things like using air heat source pumps, et cetera, to heat, to heat our houses, you're going to need much better ventilation. So, you know, the ventilation leaders are going to get a real tailwind from this kind of environmental legislation. And similarly with Polypipe, with their water and climate agenda. So so we're getting some significant tailwinds there. Strix is another example of a business we own where they're, you know, they're the market leader in global kettle safety components and they're recycling that cash flow into water filtration. So that that would be one of the common threads that's starting to really pervade through the portfolio now. Um, but as I said, it's very much our process of PVT at the heart of everything we do, at the heart of every decision we make. Um, and then that blend of growth, quality, recovery, and asset back stocks, which which maybe stands us out from maybe some of the other small cap funds. Um, PVT being, being what? Uh, sorry, potential valuation and timing, which are the three right. factors that drive our stock picking. Okay. You talked a bit about sustainability there. Does that mean it can mean a hundred different things to a hundred different fund managers? Is it mean impact doing good or does it mean just avoiding companies that are that are sort of, you know, doing bad things to the environment for, for want of a better phrase? You're absolutely right. Uh, we're neither one or the other of those, in fact. We're not an impact fund. An impact fund is, in my mind, an out-and-out growth fund where a fund manager goes out looking for sustainability winners. Uh, the danger with that is that you, you potentially overpay uh, for maybe early-stage companies, and that's quite uh, quite a high-risk approach. On the other hand, excluding companies is typically what the old ethical funds did in the past. Right. Um, and again, that's not an approach that we're, we're taking because we don't think it's the right thing for our clients or indeed for the environment or society. Simply selling down assets so they fall to very low valuations in order that someone else picks them up, maybe a Chinese investor, for example, um, is not necessarily going to help anybody from an environmental point of view or, or, or society point of view. And certainly from an alpha point of view for our clients, you know, we need to be able to buy cheap assets and see those grow and become more expensive. So, so our approach at the moment, we've got a very much a blend of quantitative analysis and fundamental research in the way we've done how we, the way we've delivered our PBT investment process over the last fourteen years. At the moment, the data isn't sufficiently good that we can rely on quant. So, what we're doing is sort of in-depth fundamental research by the analyst is being done. And we are tiering our companies from S1 to S4. So S1 is a sustainable leader with sort of tailwinds behind from a sustainability perspective. Uh, and then you've got S2s, which are kind of like the core of the portfolio where there's no significant headwinds from, um, from, from the risks associated with sustainability in ESG. S3s are where we're able to engage. With, these are companies where we, we, we think there's a requirement for improvement from the corporates, whether it's around disclosure, Corporate governance, um, you know, carbon uh, carbon emissions. Um, we will engage with those companies, and then finally, S fours are where we kind of exclude companies on the basis that we just don't think they're going to meet the, the the base level requirement for us. So, so we see it very much as focusing on financial materiality. So when we're looking at sustainability factor, they're an extension of our fundamental analysis to ensure that we're buying companies that are going to be you know, winners in the new environment and, and ensuring we don't get acts, get broadsided by new regulation, increasing carbon costs that, that clobber the valuations in some of our names. So it's a bit of a blend, really. So we have got we have got some of those impact winners, the growth stocks, but then 
it's also about making sure we cut out the ones that are going to get really hit hard by uh, quite rightly the increasing focus right. and, and regulation from governments and, and investors. So you've been running smaller companies, I believe, for about 20 years. You know, sustainability is one thing that's changed and the concern with it. What what else has, has, has changed in terms of the pool of companies that you have to pick from? One of the things that, that's been very exciting about being a small cap manager is you get that constant um, reinvigoration of the universe of companies. You get companies being bid for, uh, companies grow and become FTSE 250 and FTSE 100 companies. Um, and then you get the IPO market and companies IPOing on, onto the stock market. So you get this constant change within the market and lots of you know, new companies to analyze, new stocks to pick. And, that, and, that, and that's very exciting as a, as, a, you know, as a portfolio manager to have that that environment. In terms of some of the big changes, thematically, you touch on, you know, sustainability is a big theme right now and it's going to play out for, for, for a long time in, in, in future. You know, I've been through a couple of phases where, you know, when I started running money, we were at the top of the dot-com bubble. So we had, you know, significant tech influence uh, and, and obviously big valuation dispersion within the market at that time. Um, but, you know, that actually morphed then into what was quite an interesting emerging market in China growth story. You know, when you went from between sort of 2003 and 2011, that was all about having those China growth plays being in commodities and commodity stocks. Then we had the global financial crisis, of course, around 2008. And then it sort of morphed again to needing to be in strong balance sheets. We saw discount rates uh, falling when, when we went to the sort of zero lower bound with interest rates. And so then high quality and growth investing have really come to the fore over the last 10 years. And I think that's what's so fascinating is you get these big cycles. And now we're starting to see value investing start to be rewarded again in the last few months. Um, and, and undoubtedly, we'll get more phases like this. And it's really important to identify those those big phases and 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 get on the back of those because that's how you can make some some really good money for your for your clients. Right. So that's comparing the companies you have today as against 20 years ago. Do you ever look at US smaller companies managers or funds and think I'd like to have a crack at those. Do you think they get a better selection of of companies to to pick from than than we have here? I mean, there's always criticism that UK companies fail to scale, that they get taken over before they're they're really able to give value to public shareholders. I think it's easy to say that now when we're at the top of arguably a a pretty big bubble over in the US in some of these stocks, Um, you know, these growth stocks that have got stratospheric valuations. There's the argument, well, investors in the UK aren't prepared to to, to put those valuations on companies. Um, I, I personally think valuation discipline is sensible. Um, I, I'm not sure I would, you know, sort of go down the route of saying we, it's a shame we're not like the US and, and, and paying 20 or 30 times sales for a company. So I think that there's that side to it. There's the fact that you're absolutely right. If you're a global small cap investor or even a US small cap investor, you've clearly got a bigger pool of ideas to fish in. But how big a pool can you actually really analyze uh you know we've got probably a thousand companies in the uk that are investable that we're able to go into including the microcaps that we access through our microcap investment trust that's a lot of companies to screen and do due diligence on and do verification work on um and there you know there's always going to be a lot of great winning portfolios within that number of companies so the us tech sector is 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 obviously very exciting we we have some great tech stocks in the small cap space in the uk but clearly that is a big advantage when you get these big trends um the us has clearly been the winner in this space over the last uh, decade or so for sure okay but you've got enough to keep you happy for the time. We've got, do you know what? We get some fantastic little companies coming through in the UK. And, you know, we, we, we've just participated in three IPOs. 
Byte uh, is one example at the end of last year, um, one of the largest Microsoft resellers. Um, fantastic, high quality business. As you see investment picking up in the UK economy over the next few years, um, you know, software investment is going to be a big part of that. Mm. And Bytes will be right in the sweet spot. Uh, we've just invested in Moonpig, <laughs> Moonpig, the online card seller. Um, okay. 60% market share. They're growing overseas as well. Um, you know, fantastically innovative companies um, growing very rapidly with conservative expectations and valuations that, quite frankly, are much more attractive than you get yeah. over in the US. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love Moonpig. I mean, they upsell you. You know, I sent my brother-in-law a birthday card, and then it says, do you want to send him some beer? So, yeah. And he loves his beer. So, uh, The gift you know, strategy is a good one. Yeah. There, we are. there was another 25 quid. You know, five, yeah. you start off with a five quid card, and you end up spending 30 pounds uh, and he loved it, and it all got, you know the, the hassle of going to the post office at the moment and, and wrapping things up and delivering it. Yeah, so yeah, that, that should be a good one. Uh, let's just sort of bring things to a close because you talked about how things have changed, and uh, you know, look at your portfolio five years forward. Is it going to be full more of tech stock like like Bytes or uh, online companies like uh, Moonpig uh, than it is today? I mean, where you draw the line between tech and and tech companies per se and companies that are running on tech is difficult to say, but do you see that the needle shifting in the type of companies that you'll, you'll, you'll hold? Yeah, the, the needle always shifts. And, and as we're building our portfolios today, we're typically having that mindset of, of owning a share for, for three to five years and, and beyond. So in an ideal world, our portfolio in five years' time will look quite similar to the portfolio we own now, except the companies will be bigger and more valuable, you know, is obviously your ideal solution scenario. Um, in terms of those big sectors, um, we've talked about the sustainability theme. I think that's going to continue to drive um, stock selection significantly in the coming years. The technology, you know, sector that that's been prolific ever since I started running money. That the the big innovation cycle of our life investment lifetimes has been the digitizing of the economy, and that's been going on my entire career, and I suspect it will continue for the rest of my career. So, we mustn't run away from that because there are some bubble valuations in certain areas of the US market. We must actually, you know, embrace that and and invest in some of the great tech companies and disruptors in some of the old industries um, and, and and watch as some of the companies do successfully morph and digitize. So, you know, take a company like Future PLC that went from being an old school kind of consumer publishing business to, to really a state-of-the-art tech platform. They've managed to make the, the transition and other companies will too. So we will be investing in those um, growth areas. New growth areas will come along. And of course, the macroeconomic environment you know, as much as we, we'd prefer to be bottom-up stock pickers, that plays a big part in this. And how things morph with this giant experiment with fiscal stimulus combined with with extreme monetary stimulus, and and whether that morphs into to much higher inflation or stagflation, um, or indeed we still see low productivity and interest rates at very low levels for the next five or ten years, that will also dictate the types of companies we're we're populating the portfolio with. So, you know, we'll be pragmatic depending on the environment. But um as as always, there'll there'll be lots of exciting opportunities ahead. And um, you know, in the long run, smaller companies do give you really good bang for your buck. You do get a, a premium over the mid and large caps. Um, and it is an area where stock pickers can really add add some real value. Uh, and that's nice to be a part of. 
Excellent. Uh, well, Dan Hanbury, thank you very much for joining us today and talking about the River and Mercantile UK Equity Smaller Companies Fund. We hope to speak again soon. And thank you again. Thank you, Richard.